Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, but uh, I was just thinking of when I was driving here and I was hearing this thing about what is it? Uh, is it Friday when we don't need to live by any restrictions anymore? And uh, when I hear all these people calling in, and uh, I think the biggest challenge we got now is really we need to wrestle off that spirit of fear. Uh, because of uh, it was right to do it the last two years, but now people have been vaccinated or whatever, all these things. And we need to start wrestle off this fear because of uh, if we don't do that, we will live in bondage forever. Okay? And God has not asked us to do that. And, uh, and I think that it's something that now the battle is because over two years you have created a pattern a behavioral pattern that actually is based on fear because of the government bombarded us with fear the last two years about it. But now it's time to whistle that off, okay? Because you're, we are called to be free. We're not called to live a life in bondage, amen? And, uh, and another thing that I think that is very important you understand is that one of the cornerstones in the message of the gospel is healing. Okay, it's not that all the other things that people say about the prophetic whisper and the other. Jesus, he said that these signs shall follow those who believe. And one of them was, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Okay, all the other things that we suddenly have become busy with is not really within our area of authority. Okay, just like if you want to get your car fixed, you don't go to the butcher. Okay, because that's not his area of expertise. You go to the mechanic. And it's very important we, we understand that there are things that you can have opinions about, but don't involve God in it. Okay, but it's like, it's, it's like there an inflation in the world, in the body of Christ today, where I have an opinion and I want to enforce that opinion. So I say, God showed me. Okay, and... Uh, I'm telling you, if you look through history, millions of people have died because they believe God was on their side. Okay, uh, no, uh, not just Christianity, but you can see Islam, you can see the Buddhists, uh, the Japanese. Uh, you can tell, they all thought they were fighting for God. Okay, and yet the gospel has nothing to do. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Okay, our battle is in the heavenlies. We have one enemy who has been defeated. And now our job is to go out and proclaim the victory that Jesus has won. And a part of that victory is that healing is available to anyone who asks. Okay? But the thing is, but why is so, why, why this disappears more and more, the message of healing, is because of you and I know we cannot heal anyone. You know, we, you need to be anointed, you need to uh, have the gift, so to speak, and the way, the way you're getting that, how do we get that? By being in his presence. How do you get into his presence? By laying your life down. And, th- and that our flesh don't really like. You know, but it, 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 we can all say, oh, oh I, I want to lay my life down. And it's easy to say, it's another thing to do. It's easy to say, I trust Jesus, and when Jesus says something to you that you don't understand, now when you pull back and fall back into your own culture, your own experience, your own reaction, the way you react. But 
it's so important we understand that our life daily is where Jesus said, take up your cross daily. And what do you say then? Follow me. And that, and, 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 and it's, that's where you get equipped. That's where you get equipped with the presence. And out of the presence, the anointing comes. And it's the anointing that heals the sick. And if we do not have the anointing, we have nothing to give to this world. Mm. You know, if it's charity, the world can do charity far better than we can. Okay, you know, uh, whatever things we do, the world has far more resources to do that. But one thing they cannot give them is the message of that Jesus Christ died and paid for your sin. And one of the benefits through that is that the healing is available. Amen? And it's really important we, we come back to this message because of, uh, we're living in this informational society where we get bombarded with all sorts of things. And, and sometimes we think, <laughs> you can sometimes hear a lie so many times, so you're actually ending up believing that is the truth because you've been told that over and over and over and over again. In Denmark, we grew up with that... Uh, the Danish king, when Denmark was occupied, that uh, every morning, <coughs> 1943, when the, the, the Germans, they uh, decided now they're going to deport all the Jewish people. And up until 1943, the Jewish people didn't have to wear the yellow star. And now we were brought up to believe that that morning, the king, he was riding through Copenhagen every morning on his horse. That morning, he put a yellow star on his uniform. Mm. It's even in the Holocaust Museum in, in Jerusalem. Mm. They, they share the story. But the Danish queen said, this is her granddad, he said, he never did it. But because the story has been told, oh, and because it puts our stains in a very good light. Oh, see, that's right. And, but we, we're telling a story over and over and over and again, and now suddenly we believe that is the truth. And I think that, that many of times people in the, in, in, when it comes to the prophetic, you have to understand the prophetic is not about saying that, you know, like now, because of what happens in Ukraine and Russia now, where so, oh, God showed me the, the battle of Armageddon is soon coming, all these things. No, God will never show people that. The prophetic word that you read in the word of God, <clears throat> if I had a penny for every time someone had predicted and shown what was going to happen from these scriptures, I would be a billionaire. Mm. Because the prophetic scripture in the Word of God is really, you can only see it when it has happened. It confirms that God has already had everything in His plan. It's not written there so that you and I should sit and speculate about this is bit and this is that and adapt it to a certain kind of political agenda. And because that can change from whatever culture we come from. Okay? You know, like. Uh, just give you an example, you know that Putin, he's really the bad guy all over here mm. at the moment, have you noticed that? And this is basically Western propaganda. Now, I'm not a fan of Putin, okay, but it's Western propaganda. And and I remember, I was just thinking, why are they so busy telling Putin is so bad? And then I just came a phrase to my head here, and that was not guy, it was just me reasoning, he said, follow the money, okay? And it's because, you know, it, 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 the Bible says the love of money is the root of many evils. The love of money. And there is, at the moment, we're building a pipeline from Russia to Germany, a gas pipeline that is called Nord Stream. 
And America had tried to stop that project since Trump. The reason for it is that Europe will buy gas from Russia then. But if the Americans can stop that pipeline to be finished, where do we buy our gas from then? America. So it, it's all about this thing, about money thing. And uh, like uh, when we hear about it, they are so, they're, they're with free people, the Americans and so on and so forth. But, uh, the Americans put pressure on the Danish government to block any Chinese purchase in Greenland because they don't want the Chinese to get too close. Mm. And so it's all propaganda we hear at the moment. And so don't let any so-called prophet tell you now we are living in the end time and now it's really coming up. The battle of Armageddon is not coming soon, all these things. Do you understand? This is just basically a diversion of the incompetence of domestic policies. So they just focus upon something else. Boris Johnson is very happy. We don't need to hear about any party gates anymore, but now we hear about this. Joe Biden, he's also very happy because he's failed completely domestically and so on and so forth. As I said to someone, I said, America really not blessed the world with very good leaders. Okay, but anyway, we back to this thing. It, it's the, our message is the message of redemption. Our message is the message of that God can redeem you to spirit, to soul, body, whatever that needs to be redeemed. That is our message. Okay, you know that I, I know a woman, she said, oh, God called me to stand up for Israel. And I said, you know, when Israel is really in trouble, if, God, if, if, you, if Israel needs you to stand up for them, then we are really all in trouble. God doesn't need anyone to stand up for Israel, so to speak. You know, they have God. Do you, do you understand? But it's because of, it's easier to be a carrier of an ideology or philosophy or opinion than it is to carry the presence of God. Because, you know, the presence of God is spirit. We are physical beings, and for anyone who have preached, uh, so you find that when this anointing comes, it takes a heavy toll on your physical body. I remember in the early days, I couldn't understand why. My legs was, you know, every, every Monday it was like, uh, you know, if you've done a lot of exercise, your legs was just hurting. And I couldn't understand what it was. So I changed shoes, I did all sorts of things. And it was, but it was because of that heaviness that comes, and your body finds it very, very hard. Okay? And that's why that it, the temptation comes in, that God said, you know, the devil comes and uh, suggests to you, no, it's easy, you don't just uh, take other political cases, anti abortion or anti this, that, and the other, because it doesn't cost anything to have your opinion, but to carry the presence is hard work. Okay, and this is what people don't very often understand that the anointing is not is is not free. Do you understand? Salvation is free, but the anointing is not free. No, salvation is free for anyone who whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. But the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. That talks about the anointing, and that's because of. They, they, they find sometimes that the price, so to speak, is too hard to pay. Because it's one thing when you got saved, where everything maybe is in a mess in your life, that's mostly all of us when we come to Jesus. This is probably the most, most tough the time, the reason for why we come to Jesus. 
So it's not so difficult to pay the price, so to speak, because we have nothing to lose. But then, what, 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 what does Jesus do? He starts restoring you. He starts redeeming you. You start recovering. And then suddenly, somewhere down the line, you find you become quite comfortable. And now, before you didn't have it, so, so later on in your Christian life, now, now you have to decide to make yourself uncomfortable. So now you make yourself uncomfortable by choice. Did you understand? You know, that when, when, when I started out with the prosperity message, you know, I had 20p, as I told you about before. And uh, no, that was not difficult to give that away, you know. But you know what? As God has prospered me, and so now, it's, now God's not coming down and saying things like that to me. Now it's me who have to put myself out there. That's called spiritual maturity. Do you understand that for, for, you know, for you and I to keep growing spiritually, we have to voluntarily put ourselves in that uncomfortable situation. You know, uh, the Christian life is about growth. It's not about collecting, so to speak. You, know, you can have all the possessions that you want to, that's fine, but that's not what it is about. It's about that we keep growing. Now, the Apostle Paul, what is this? I can't quote it in English, but he, he keeps driving. He forgets what is behind him, and he keeps, he puts himself in uncomfortable position, just like he, he compares with an athlete. You know, an athlete, once he reaches the peak of his uh, condition, that doesn't mean now he needs to stop. Now he has to push himself even further just to keep that condition. And that's how the spiritual life is with each one of us, that every day we must take up the cross and follow him. Because the aim for our Christian life is to grow. Yeah. Okay? Not to be status quo. You know, like, if we status quo, that is equal to your reversing. You know, the, uh, what is it? It's, it's a salmon that swims upstream. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but if it stops swimming, what happens? It floats down again. And that's the same thing with the Christian life, that, that when you become a mature, get older in with Jesus, now Jesus is not going to come and tell you, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. No, now he, now he wants you to make the choice and say, I will choose to do this. I choose not to do that. I choose, because that's growth. Mm. Did you understand? But God doesn't tell me to do this better than the other many of times, because many of times, he, because he said he wants me to see, do I want to grow? And it's just like if you want to build your your muscles in a gym and so. On, do you know what? You only start. It's only start working once you're pushing yourself. Okay. It's not enough just to you can go to the gym and lift uh, half a pound weight or something like that. Oh, that's reasonable. Well, how many did you do? Two hundred. How much did you do? 50 grams each. No, for, for it to work, you have to voluntarily push yourself. You can go to the gym every single day, but if you don't reach the limit where you are breaking your comfort, you just made a, 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 you just wasted a lot of good money. Okay? Because of, it's the, and that's the same thing when we, when we, when we walk with Jesus, we, we have to live out there because that's where your growth comes.
Do, do you understand? It, it, it's very important we understand this thing because sometimes we can think or get the understanding of the Christianity is about a collection, collecting. Uh, no, what, what can I say? The aim of being blessed is to be comfortable. Okay? It's not. Mm. The aim of Christianity, as I said before again, is to grow. That's why I'm so impressed about these boxers. You know, like, uh, what is it, like, you know, the, the real superstars. That they have maybe one fight a year or something like that. And then the rest of their life, they just live in completely unbelievable luxury. Like, uh, you know, that is go beyond. And, and then they make a contract to fight another fight. And now they have to pull themselves out of that lux- luxurious lifestyle to get back into shape. Uh, what was this guy in England, Ricky Hatton? Remember, you know, when he, when, you know, when he, between fight, he was so fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, once he finished the fight, he just started eating and eating and eating, and he was bloated all over. But then he signed the contract, and then he just was lean completely. And, and, and to pu- be able to pull yourself out of that comfort zone, no one else but him can decide to do it. And, uh, and uh, we, uh, it's the same thing for you and I as believers, that no one else but you or I in my life can decide to say, will I put myself out there? Where it, because that's the aim. Do, do you understand? It, it's, a, it's a good mentality to have that, that you can push yourself just a little bit more every single day because that's where you will grow. Amen? And, 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 and you'll find that when you grow with Jesus, um, now, that there were things you used to be able to do. <clears throat> now, I'm not talking about sin, okay? That's things you used to be able to do, but the closer you get to him, you have to lay it aside. Not because what you're laying aside is wrong, but it can hinder you in your personal growth. If you can imagine that uh, the Christian life is like a pyramid or triangle. So when you are at the bottom, you see it's very white down at the bottom. So, so you can move out and you're still in the presence of God. But when, imagine there's a, a vertical line in the middle that goes straight up and that's your growth. So the further you go up, the narrower it becomes. Okay? I don't know if you watch some of the Winter Olympics, but especially always with the skiing downhill. And can you imagine you 0.01 second away from winning gold? This is how close the margins are from being a champion and to be second. Okay? Do you know what? Many of times I've seen that also happen with healing. I've seen it happen with people who wanted to get into the ministry, but they had the understanding of ministry was something about that uh, it was just about preaching and, you know, like so-called glamorous thing. No, but it's a price that has to be paid. No, but long before you get anywhere near ministry, you first have to learn to serve. And that's very often in areas where no one sees you, where it's not very glamorous, Actually, it's not very nice. Either. You know, like as I said, I, I used to do. I thought I was supposed to win the world, and I'm a, I ended up doing shopping for an old bitter woman, 
And that was really, it was really amazing. I was thinking, am I spreading the gospel with me? But I, I had to learn to serve. Okay? You cannot have authority before you can be entrusted with as a servant. Okay? You know, the, the, the problem with Saul, I was just reading about Saul again, that the problem with Saul, he had no training. So when he got the crown, he messed it up completely. Okay? He, it was actually interesting. I looked up the name Saul in Hebrew. It means borrowed. Okay? Which means he had something that was not his own. Okay? And, and now remember what I said. The anointing comes with a price. Which means you're paying a price for it. Salvation is free. But, but when you pay something for it, what is that? That is something that is yours. Do you understand? And what, uh, what do we pay with? We pay with our life. You know, like, uh, something we, we, we must remember that Christianity is a religion based on sacrifice. Okay? It, it's not a forceful sacrifice. It's something that comes voluntarily from each of us. You know, Jesus don't force you. If you don't want to carry the anointing, he's, that doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven. But, but but what it does mean that you, you can, you're not equipped to go out and fulfill your purpose. And your purpose is not to go to heaven. Your purpose is to bring heaven to earth. This is what the Lord's Prayer is. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If our, and if our purpose was just to go to heaven, when he, when he might as well physically kill us the day we got saved, because when we fulfilled our purpose, no, heaven is our destiny. Okay? Our destiny is heaven. Our purpose is to bring heaven to earth. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, it's, and for, for me to be able to bring heaven to earth, if I, for example, if I need to represent someone to someone else, I need to know the person I'm supposed to represent. Because if I don't know the person, I can't represent that person to someone else. If you ask me, how is that person? I say, uh, I don't know. Are you not representing him? Yeah, but don't you know him? I never met him. I'm not a really good representative then. And your understanding of that person would be very limited. Because of, if I if I not spend time with that person, then I can't represent him. And that's why when we use phrases like, that you need to spend time in his presence, you need to be with Jesus, is, is for the purpose of that the world, when you are with him, when now you can go out and represent and show him to the world. Preaching the gospel is not about an opinion. I think it was T.L. Moody who said that, that when you evangelize, if you must, he said, if you must, when you evangelize, use words. Okay? I, I used to think that preaching the gospel was always about someone, you know, this is the old day, he's standing on a, on a guest, uh, on a box on the street and when preaching the gospel like this, okay? But D.L. Moody said, now if you must or if you have to, when you evangelize, use words. Because actions speaks louder than words. Yeah. That's actually our biggest confession. It's not the words that we are speaking, it's the action that we are doing or the decision that we are making. That is our greatest confession. No, but I don't trust in God. We're saying, oh, I trust Jesus. 
that's now it's a good beginning, but the way, for example, if you are in a crisis or if you are in where circumstances are not favorable towards you, the way you trust Jesus is you go to his word. You go to his word. Like, uh, uh, what is it like? But it's not just to say, I trust Jesus, I trust Jesus, I trust Jesus. No, the the way I trust is I acting and I go to his word. Despite of what goes on in my head, despite of what I feel in my body, despite of my experience or background or whatever, it may be good or bad, I go to the word. And I'm telling you, in these circumstances, you... It's not like every time you, you, you're reading the Word of God, it's just, wow, this is wonderful. No, it's hard. Because your emotions, your, your, the devil is lying to you. But I decide I go to the Word. You know, I don't think when Jesus was testing in the desert, when he said, it is written. You know, notice he said, it is written. That was his weapon of defense. It was not that God showed me a dream. He did not even refer to when he got baptized. When God spoke to him. Notice that. He didn't say, no, 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 when I got baptized, God spoke to me from the sky. Or from heaven. He didn't, he didn't use that as, as a defensive weapon when we had devil attacked him. But what did he do? He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. I heard people who say, oh, God gave me a dream. I'm going to be healed. No, you can't base your faith on that. Why can, what can you base your faith on? It is written by his stripes, I have been healed. That's what you build your faith upon. Not that you had a dream. Not that someone had a prophetic word to you. Not that someone had seen something over you. That's not what you're basing upon. It's based upon, it is written. And that's why, when you have to understand, when, we, when I say, or many other preachers say, that you need to make the word of God the authority over your life, that is not to keep you down. That is to make you realize, even when you feel completely terrible, God's word still means the same. God's word will still do the same, despite of how you feel, despite of what goes on in your head. When you have made it in your heart and said, this is the word of God, and that is final authority. And the way we, te- we learn that, we, we, <coughs> we learn that truth by little by little acting upon the word of God. That's why, like, for example, tithing is a huge thing, not, not money-wise, so to speak, but it's a huge thing in terms of the first step to trust the Bible more than anything else. That's the first step. And it's the same faith that when, if you need healing, you're using, I have pain in my body, but the Bible say. I have symptoms, I can feel symptoms in my body, but the Bible say. Okay, and, I, I, and I, so, but many charismatics are they fall, they fall into this thing. God gave me a dream. God gave me. no. That's not where you can base your faith upon. Do you understand? You cannot base your faith upon these things. It is, it has to be based upon. It is written. It is written. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And do you know what is uh, what indicate that when the word of God is your authority? That means it's more powerful over my life than my own emotions. It's more powerful than what I feel. It's more powerful than what the doctor said. It's more powerful than what my circumstances say. It's more powerful than what the diagno- uh, diagnosis said. It's more powerful than what the statistics says because 
I had made, I lived my life that the word of God is final authority. And that's where we have to learn to come in to live. But we can only do that when we daily are willing to lay our life down or take up our cross and say, every new day we should say, Jesus, today I will follow you. Today I will trust you. Now, that's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. I can't live on yesterday. I can't live, I, I can't live on what God did two weeks ago or two years ago or 20 years ago. No, today, that's what, that's what their manner indicates when we're in the desert. But every day we have to go out and collect the manner. You know, it talks about that every day they need to recommit. Every day they say, your will and not mine. And I don't say that because of, I feel powerless. I, I know that when I make that phrase, then I, I empower myself. Why? Because when I submit to his word, to his will, to his presence, now I can do what God can do. Do you understand? So I don't become less powerful when I say your will and not mine. Some pe- in the, wo- the world's way of thinking would be something like, oh, that sounds like now you've been, uh, uh, what is the word, uh, dispowered, uh, you, lost, you lost influence. No, I have become more powerful. You know, when I obey Jesus, I don't degrade myself. I have actually upgraded myself because now I pluck myself into an ability, into a power, into a wisdom that goes beyond human knowledge. So, so it looks like from a natural point of view, I have degraded myself, but from God's point of view, I have upgraded myself. Amen? Because when I trust Him, I do what He says, which we call obedience. Now, the abilities of God is able to flow through me. Amen? That's what submission and that's why training is so important. And that's why the devil comes in and say, he wants to give us a shortcut. So he said, oh, so, we, so, so instead of taking up the cross and follow him every day, instead of reading the word of God, and so we say, oh, God gave me a dream. God spoke to me. God showed me a vision, whatever. And many of times, these are imaginations of your own making. You know, but when you read the book of Daniel, when you read Ezekiel, when you read Jeremiah and Isaiah, when you see, when you have to say, when Isaiah and when, you know, they, they see thousands of years into the future. So how should Daniel describe, for example, if you saw an airplane? How should he be able to describe a tank? He have no concept of what it is. So he have to use words that is according to his understanding to describe what he has seen. No, he can't say, you know, it's not like when he saw the vision and when there's a headline over tank. Okay, he have to use, just like that when, 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 uh, so, 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 so that's where, that's where it's so uh, dangerous because of, that's why every generation have their own interpretation of the book of Revelation. Why? Because every generation have their own language, their own images. When, when the first golf war was on, I, was li- I used to listen to a preacher. And I, he, I'm telling you, the first golf war, that was the Battle of Armageddon. Really, and I, like, I didn't know any better. I was just a young believer. So I was, wow, wow, wow. 
I, I actually thought Jesus was coming back before 1999 because of what he was saying. It was all building up and so on. But, he, but, it's, but it, was so te- it is so tempting to do this. But, but what, what we really need to come back to, I, you know, I, I don't want to. I, I know, but my aim as a Christian has always been that I don't want to just have celebrating someone have a little sneeze and then they got healed or something like that. Because I can see in the Bible that's not what God's purpose is. God's purpose is that every church should be like an embassy, should be like a, a place where the kingdom of God rules. Which means that everything that is possible in heaven, when you walk into that presence, should be available there. Meaning, it's not someone who gets healed here and now, once in a while and so on. No, that the Bible talks about in the book of Acts, that everyone got healed. Everyone. Not just, you know, Jesus, he, anyone who came to him got healed. Not, not just one or two, or I'm sorry, three out of four, that's not bad, isn't it? unless you're number four. Okay? But, but that's, that's what we, we need to aim for. And, and I remember, what was that, uh, 1993 or something. Where I went to a second mission to London conference with Moise Suello. And so uh, Pastor Frank's younger brother Dan and I, we, I don't know, uh, we, 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 we didn't get into the meeting on time. But when we heard it, I went, and I can remember when we walked in, and it was not just me, uh, Dan felt, felt it the same. When we walked into a meeting hall, it was just like we walked into a... It was like, if you can imagine, the whole air was on fire. I could, I could literally feel it on my body. I'm telling you. And, 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 and this is how it should be with the kingdom of God. You know, no one needed to tell someone that the presence of God is here. It could be felt. It could be seen. Okay? It, it, and, and thirdly, now you can hear. But it's not the first thing. Okay? Uh, it, I'll, I'll, I'll just go to James. Uh, I, I preached about it a little bit for a few weeks ago. But, I, I, you know, if you've seen this thing I put up on... Uh, a WhatsApp group with uh, Bill Johnson's wife that uh, she's very, very seriously ill and uh, I don't know what it is but it sounds like it's the cancer that has spread to her bones and to her lungs and uh, but again that's where it becomes so more important that we need to get the message of healing back into the center. We need, we need to all of us to be carriers of the presence of God. All of us to have hands that can extend the healing gift to the people that we are around. Because it's not about one person who should do it. No, but I believe that the time of these big crusades, like with Benny Hinn and things like that, that was not, what can I say, that, was, that, that is not God's best. But it was a way for God to demonstrate that healing is available. But can you imagine that, let's say he have 100,000 people to his meetings or whatever, can you imagine if these 100,000 people went out to their life, into their lives, their neighborhoods, and became the carrier of that? 
Amen. Is is you like is you be like really like when when the Roman officer he ever heard of Jesus, his servant was sick, so he brought him to Jesus. Why? Because they knew he would heal. Mm-hmm. You, you, you see the message of why did people follow Jesus everywhere? Because of the healings. Because he couldn't teach them, really, because they didn't have an understanding. He didn't teach them into the kingdom. He brought them into the kingdom by manifesting the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And the manifestation of the kingdom, most of the times, was the healing. And when they came in, now he started teaching them. That's why when Mark talks about that we signs will follow them, cast out demons and so on and so forth, okay? And then Matthew talks about, and then we shall make disciples. But you cannot make a disciple out of someone who's not met Jesus. You cannot make a disciple out of someone who, who's agreeing with Jesus. You can only make disciples out of someone who had truly met him. Okay? And we don't meet him through words. We meet him because we got our spirit gets born again. I cannot convince you into the kingdom of God. I cannot argue into the kingdom of God because it's not natural. You can sit with anyone and have the best reasoning and you cannot convince them. We all try with our unsafe family members that we're convincing them and so on and we don't understand why can't they see the argument. They can't because it's not natural. It's supernatural. Do, do you understand? That's why that sometimes people think, oh, I, I can't speak as well. No, no, it's not, you know, yeah, it's nothing to do with how you say it or so on. Do you understand? It's about does the Holy Spirit anoint these words? No, like uh, Derek Prince, he got saved in Scarborough when he was stationed there with, with the British Army. And he said he was in a church with two members on a Wednesday evening. And uh, he, he remember the pastor, he fell over when, when he with little step on the platform and he could hardly speak. That day, Derek Prince, he got saved. Now, Derek Prince, you have to understand, he, uh, he, he, he is uh, not a normal person, so to speak. No, his dad was a, an officer in the British Army in India. And the tradition was uh, the army course, uh, the sons, they were sent to Eton. So he was an Etonian. And then from Eton, he went to Cambridge. And then he became what we call a fellow at Cambridge. So, and I think at that time when he got saved, or when he was uh, called into the army because of World War II, he had the biggest private library in England. And he shared about it. He was told he could only bring one book. Hmm. So he thought, I better take the Bible because I never understood that book. <laughs> Now, he, 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 he's a, prof- you know, a PhD in history, no, philosophy, I think it was. And uh, so he said about that uh, when he was in the army, where, so he was, because he, he, as a good Etonian, so he was drinking whiskey and reading the Bible. And the other people did not, because they, well, how could you? Because he wasn't saved. Okay, and he couldn't understand the Bible. But that man who so, was, who was so, in, or was now, intellectually bright, he got saved by a man who could hardly, who, yeah, uh, stuttering would be, would, would, would be good. One word that was anointed hit his heart. Okay? And that's what we need to get into. Now, in the Word of Faith movement, there was a lot of need for teaching. 
okay? But the problem with it was that we, we ending up thinking that we could teach people to be healed. You can't. I, you know, we all heard the testimony of Doji Osteen, who, 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 who read the scriptures daily and daily. That's how she got healed. Why? The word alone. Okay? But, but, but combined with her trust in God. And it's, that's where we need, to, we need to aim to get into that. Not just one person, but everyone We become a carrier of the anointing so that we have something to give to this world. So that we can, you know, like when I got saved, I wanted to argue and they asked me, can we pray for you? Do you know, but I did not get argued into heaven. I got uh, saved because they asked, can, can we pray for you? And when they prayed for me, I met Jesus. Mm. Really, you know, this was physically, uh, spiritually, though, it was like, what? No, I know I could probably have outperformed them in, a, in an argument, but I would have won and still got lost. Mm. Okay? But then they said, Can we introduce Jesus, Jesus to you? And I remember the first thing I said, because I didn't believe in anything spiritual, am I crazy? Because what the sensation I felt that I was in no doubt about Jesus was real. Okay? I was in no doubt about it. Uh, Jesus will, has never been a doctrine for me, has never been something, a discipline or philosophy or a good idea of how to live your life. It has always been one thing alone. I met him. You know, so that's why I never subscribe to this thing that you are not supposed to do that if you are a Christian. I don't care because if you have met him, all the other things comes by itself. Okay? You don't need to tell someone who is in love that don't commit adultery. You, know, you, you, don't need to, that you don't need to tell a Christian don't steal. You don't need to tell a Christian don't lie. You don't need to tell a Christian to be faithful. Uh, so you don't need to say that because that comes in the package. Amen? It, it, it's true. I don't, you know, when, when I got born with the hair, I don't need to tell the hair to grow. It, it, it just grows. Actually, I was very happy. I can start see I'm getting bored. I was, I've been standing in faith for that for 30 years. But I want to lose my hair. Because I always thought it was a waste of time going to the hairdresser. Spending time talking about something that is completely useless. Uh, okay, that's why I would never be a hairdresser. Imagine all the rubbish you have to listen to every single day. Okay, anyway, you, if you found, found it here, James, and it's... Uh, so James 5, isn't it? Yeah, James 5. So it's a, is any 14, 14, is any sick among you? Is any sick among you? Now let him call. Let him call. Let him call. Let him call. Let him. You know, but the initiative. You know, when people have an issue, when you have an issue, when I have an issue. The initiative for it to be solved lies with me. You know that it's like sometimes people say, "Oh, why did you know that?" Come on, do you think I'm a mind reader? Okay, you know that if any is sick among you, when when is James say here? Let him call. 
Okay. Sometimes when people they they oh no one calls me. Yeah. When you ask, I remember when I was younger, someone said no one calls me, Mister. No, no, this is very unfriendly. Yeah. I don't feel loved. I didn't know what to answer. So until the Holy Spirit gave me that sentence to ask her, how many have you called this week? And she said, uh, 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 no one. Because you think everyone else has to weed out to me. It's like we living this. No, the Bible says here, is any sick amongst you? Let him call. Uh, you know that if someone, I met people say, well, no one helped me. Yeah, but no one knew you needed help. Okay, because we assume it's like because we're living in this world where everyone is just about little me. That's why it's good to have siblings, because your siblings will beat that deception out of you that you are the center of the universe very quickly. Okay, it's like the whole world is like it's just all about me. I heard this person who didn't want to get vaccinated or something like that. I said, why? Because I want to have my free choice. I said, I said so you got your free choice. What you're saying, you don't want to live with the consequences of your choice. So you chose not to, then live with the consequence. Okay. But anyway, so, but it, it's my responsibility. You can see in the Bible, when every time they complain, especially in the Old Testament, uh, God doesn't listen to complaints. Okay, we say, oh God, you are this, that, yeah. Then God said to him, stand up. Okay, Moses, he said, God, what did God say to Moses? What is in your hand? No, the in and you know what? That's the good thing here. That is any sick among. That means the initiative is with me. Do you know what? If the initiative is with someone else, now I'm relying on them to hear from God. For God's sake, but now. It's with me. So the key to my healing, to, or to any other blessing, is not with someone else. It's with me. Remember again, now in that context you have to understand, he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. Sometimes we sometimes think that he who's in someone else is greater than he who's in me. No. <laughs> he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. So when, when the initiative lies with me, now I'm in control. I, I always, uh, you know, when I, uh, this thing about prosperity, because of, I always found that harder. Because you, 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 when you need God to, to move someone else to bless you. Okay, that's a different thing. But the healing here is any what sick among you, let him call. Okay? Let him call. So, so that means you are, the, you are the gatekeeper. You are the gatekeeper for your health. No one can block it. The devil cannot block it. Because the initiative lies with you. You are in charge. Okay? There's no waiting list. Amen. You can just start out immediately. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders. Okay. Now we. It's not the oldest because then we have to call for army. <laughs> <laughs> no, the elders is is talking really. I notice again, elders is not a title. 
notice is not a capital letter. You know, but, but, no, but, there is, there is actually no titles in the Bible. No apostle, prophet, and mystic is not really titles. They are functions, okay? And an elder is someone like I said to you a few weeks ago that it was so good for me to have people who are 40, 50 years older than me in the faith. No, that's an elder, okay? That 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 uh, have gone through life before me. That's very important to have. And, and someone you have respect for, do you understand? So, uh, someone you consider not more valuable, but that you, but, but that you consider is not something. It's not that they are, but it's something you choose. That you put them over you voluntarily, okay? And that talks about again is fellowship. Amen. It talks about fellowship. You know, like. Like, you know, this thing with, with Benny Johnson and many other people that they call for prayer, okay? And I have to say, there's something that many people, I don't see it happen very often, is that, they, you know, what prayer is, is not the substitute of discipleship. Do you understand? Discipleship is actually more important than the prayer. You see here, it talks first about the fellowship. It talks first about the connection. Okay? Like someone comes from, from the street and says, you know, can you pray for me? I'm sick. Maybe you will get healed. Maybe they're not. Why? Because that's the gifts of the Spirit. But the healing here we're talking about is not the gifts of the Spirit because the Bible talks about that the gifts of the Spirit moves as the Spirit wills. Okay? I'm talking about a healing that is 100% assured, and that's the healing that comes as a disciple. That's a different thing. Many of the times I've seen people, they can, they can treat with prayer of healing like a lottery ticket, or maybe it happens, or, or so on. And when we're thinking that the more people we get to pray, the greater the likelihood it is to be healed. No, it's not. It's no different from if you... Or I never go into the shop on a Saturday afternoon when they all have to buy the lottery tickets. You can stand there in a cubicle. <laughs> and but the thing is, they thinking that the more lotto numbers I got, the greater likelihood it is for me to win. And that's the same thing that we thinking sometimes that that if we can get more and more and more people to pray, then the likelihood of breakthrough is greater. And when we're quoting one can slay a thousand and two can slay ten thousand, yeah, but that is in a different context, okay? You know, that one word, one prayer from one person can be all you need. Do you understand? One word can be all you need. One person. You know, I've seen people who have asked hundreds of thousands of people to pray for them, and you know what? They died. And I, I remember Ken Hagen, he said something once where many of these people who claim they, they, they want to pray for me, I, I tell them, please don't. Because most of their prayers are just unbelief. So just don't. Our, our, our power does not lie in numbers. Our power lies in the one. Yeah. Amen? Amen. That's what it lies. It's not like that, you know, you, again, it's not to sound negative, but 
uh, you can see all the big churches, the mega churches in the world. Where, where are they in general? In America. Um, no, let's take Bradford here. Uh, what is Bradford known for? The biggest Muslim city in the Western world. It's not like numbers have an impact. You say, uh, you can see, you can see the Welsh revival. It started with what is it, Evan Roberts and four or five other people in a youth group, and the crime rate completely disappeared in in Wales. Okay, they affected the whole society. You see, Pensacola at that time. But if you moved, you know, most local people in Pensacola, they didn't, hear, they never heard of Pensacola. When, when the Toronto blessing was going on at its peak, many Christians I knew in Toronto had never heard of it. Okay? And we need to uh, go, come out of this mindset and think if we just more people know, it's about that can we just get the presence when the other things will come. And numbers is very fickle. Uh, what people's opinions are, are very fickle. I was just reading, you probably read it yourself this week, it just dawned on me this week that uh, the city where Paul and Barnabas comes to, where we call them Greek gods, the Zeus, or who was it, Apollos, is that? Yes. In the same chapter, the people who called them Greek gods, they're the one who stones Paul at the end of the chapter and kills him. So much for, for what people think about it. Uh, 1932, no, 1934, I think it was. Adolf Hitler was, was Times Magazine's man of the year. Okay, so people's opinions doesn't really matter. They say, we saw that Jesus, he comes in Palm Sunday. They, they're calling him Hosanna, the king in the highest. Uh, three, four days later, they're shouting, crucify him. Okay. So, so it's not numbers. It's, it's that disciple heart. It's that disciple heart that, 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 that becomes so-called the landing ground for the, the, the blessing or the, the healing. Say, let, let him call upon the elders, okay? It's, it's the heart. You, you know, you can have the most anointed person in the world to pray for you, and it's no guarantee for you will be healed. Because it's your heart. It's my heart. And that's where the Book of Prophets talks about protect your heart more than anything else. Okay? You can be... Uh, I was a Danish guy I knew. Uh, he went to Tulsa when, back in the 1970s when Kenneth Hagen was at his peak. And, uh, and he, you know, he, he spoke Danish, obviously, and he never been in meetings like this before. And then suddenly, a whole crowd jumped upon him to pray for him. He didn't know what to say. So he started praying in Danish. And then he said, oh, praise God, he speaks in tongues, yay! <laughs> okay, so but, but, like, you, can, you, you, you can't measure anything like that. You know, but as I said, but it's, it's my heart I need to work with. And, and this is what we emphasize here in James, that is the person's heart. Like, that person's heart here is, is submitted in a fellowship, is not a loner, it's not a God showed me so, or whatever we call them today. He's a part of something. He, don't, you know, he takes the initiative, okay? So, and, then say, and let, so, so, so the, 
so what I want to say is that he's a disciple. The elders of the church and, and call the elders of the church and let them pray over him and let them pray over him. Now notice, first is the person's heart that needs to be dealt with. If they pray over him without the heart is right, it, does, it doesn't mean that you are not anointed. If you pray for someone and they don't get healed, so to speak, okay, that doesn't mean necessarily that you are not anointed. Because it's the heart of the recipient that matters. This is what it starts out with here. It deals first with the person's heart. That's why with any issue, I always say to you, go to the Word of God, go to the Word of God, go to the Word of God, read the Word of God. Why? Because when you read the Word of God, it works with your heart. Okay? I, I don't say to you to go to the Word of God to gain information or gain knowledge. No, I, I, when I tell you, read the Word of God, it's because I know when you read the Word of God, God's Word never returns void. It does what it says, it says it does. And it works with your heart. You might not realizing it. Okay? But it it starts working with your heart. And when this condition, when this has been placed, and when it says, and let them pray, and now, after, now let them pray, and let them pray, and let them pray, and let them pray. That's why when we start, they started out with, with John G. Lake, he started out with this healing homes in, and uh, the way it turns out now is become more like a school, so to speak. But that was not that how John G. Lake wanted it. It was to, to, to work the heart. It's like when you see hear about Old Roberts or all these in the healing revival in the fifties in America, that they have. You know, we just see the big meeting, but none of them are taught. No one was prayed for unless they have been through. Uh, these sessions in the morning. Do you, do you know? Because they had to work the hard. They had to work the hard. And you know what? That's not very comfortable if you are sick and good now. So, no, I just want you to pray for me. I just want to pray. No, you have to work the hard. But because we're addicted to quick solution and because we've seen Benny Hinn, he, he operated in the gifts of healing. And then they said, I just want it like that. But I'm telling you, many of the people you see healed in these big crusades, a week or two later, they don't have it anymore. Because yes, they might have been able to receive it, but they've not been able to hold on to it. Did you understand? It's, it's one thing to get married, it's another thing to stay married. It's two different things, okay? And the same thing, it's one thing to receive healing, it's another thing to hold on to it. And, that, and that's to do with your heart. That's why I read... If you get healed through the word of God, you're actually far more blessed because now you hold on to it. You know, like I, I can't believe it. It was just it was something I built my life upon you know, since 92. I still remember this little girl who, who they carried up to the platform in Morris Willow's meeting and she could hardly, she couldn't anything. And he prayed for her and then she was running around on the platform. When I found out on YouTube uh, two, two, three years ago that she died two days later. Okay, what happened? Did she not experience God? Yes, she did. But if, but it's not just about receiving. I've seen people receiving salvation, 
and then deliberately want to go their own way. Okay? Not, not that they, uh, you know, I, I, I don't believe, so to speak, I believe that if you choose to walk away, you can lose your salvation. Do you understand? Uh, but, but it's your choice. If you choose to say, no, I don't want to, then you can lose it. But I don't believe that God will take it away from you, so to speak. I can deny it by, by will, but I don't think God will. So, so whispering about once saved, always saved is, is a little bit, because, it's, because but if I choose to live a life that is completely opposite gospel, then I think that you can lose it. Okay? But, but anyway, so let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. Now it talks about here, anointing him with oil. What is that? Uh, that's now, it's a, it's a supernatural thing. Okay? It's a supernatural thing. It's not a physical thing, but, but, we, but the, physical, the, the other thing is something you start with in the physical. I can work with my heart. I can be a part of me. I can submit myself. That's decisions that I can make. Now, say, call upon the elders. Now, I say, anointing with the oil. Why? Because it also shows it's not the elders that heals you. It's not Benny Hinn who heals you. It's not whatever preacher you... It's not them who heals you. That's why I say anointing them with oil. It shows, look to God. Look to God, okay? But the thing is, but why, why need the elders then? Because of if you cannot submit to man, we cannot submit to God. That's why that the Bible talks about to children, children, obey your parents. Why? It's because it's a lesson in that when you learn to trust your parents or obey your parents, you will also later on find it easy to obey God. You know, you, you, you can't, if, if you are rebellious and say, don't want to submit to anyone and it's always your opinion, you can't say, yeah, I only submit to God. Because your submission to God is reflected in your interaction with people. Do, do you understand? You know, like, if these two are not in place, you, it will never happen. You see, with King David, or before he became King David, he needed three anointings before he became king over all of Israel and Judea. The first one was from Samuel, but he came to the house. The second one was from the elders of Judea. That was people. The third one was the elders of Israel. That was people too. Okay? So, so, when, so, so when he says here, so, so, so it's not... It was, as preachers, we, we can get flattered sometimes. Oh, oh you are so anointed. Oh, and we can feel, oh, you want me to pray for you. Oh, this is what, oh I'm so amazing. We can say that. But, but it's not us. It, it, it is... It's a, and they shall anoint him with oil. They are a vessel. Okay? They are a vessel. They are the vehicle that God has chosen to operate through. Okay? So anointing him with oil. Now, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Notice, it doesn't say in the name of Jesus. It says, in the name of the Lord. And when you read the word Lord here, I always get um, comfort from that because 
when I know that when, when, when it says Lord, that means He's in control. Amen. He's. I don't. I, I. I don't need to worry. I don't need to be scared. I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to have anxiety attacks or, or whatever because He is Lord. He's in control. I might not see it, but He's in control. I was. I don't know. One of those people who watched uh, this guy who went out to, to film all the airplanes who landed on Heathrow during the storm. Okay. When I saw a guy, uh, a retired pilot on Sky News, so this, uh, so this uh, journalist asked, uh, "How do you find it when you're landing planes?" You know, I, I'm so impressed. Have you seen? They can when we land sideways. Uh, this pilot, he he just his eyes just shine. Said, oh, we enjoy it. When, when it's so windy, because now they can use all their skills. But he said, but when he said, but I don't think the passengers do. <laughs> okay? And and I can remember once I landed in Leeds Bradford Airport. That's one of the worst airports to land in, because it's on a hill. And I can remember once where it was just like, like a feather in the air, but just the plane, okay? And, uh, but, we, I, I always have this thing, as long as the stewardess is smiling, I think we're okay. Okay, and but it's good to know someone is in control. Did you? Someone is in control, and and that, that I take I, I, I take great comfort in because that's where your faith is. Faith is not that I, I I don't feel afraid. Faith is not that I don't feel worries. Faith is not all that I don't have these things. Faith is that I don't let them be my decision maker. Despite of how afraid I am, despite of the worries for once around in my head, I base my decision on His Lord. Amen. And I'm telling you that last, He's Lord. He is Lord. He is in control. Yeah, but uh, how do I pay this next month? He's Lord. He's Lord. Uh, what about that symptom? What about? Remember, He's Lord. He's in control. He says it's okay. You don't feel it's okay, but trust him. Or you can say, like this Terry Mice, is it you or me who's lying? Hippocrat, I feel, I feel, I feel. Yeah, but I'm telling you, but just my history of if my, my, my history of feelings, I'm telling you, that, that's not good. When I, when, I, when I just make decisions upon what I feel, that's not good. I need to make decisions upon he is God. He is Lord. Amen. When the devil attacks you with worries, when he plays these movies, these horror movies in your mind, and so you could just say one word, He's Lord. Amen. And you know what? He's not going to drop me now. If he was going to if he's going to give up on me now, Jesus, why didn't he give up on me for ten years ago? When he saved all the bother in between. Do you understand? He's you know again with what it says in Philippians, the good work that God has started. He's faithful also to complete it. Amen. And you know, God never gives up on people. Do you understand? So why should you give up? That's why that one of the ways we teach that character to, to our children is when you start something, finish it. Okay? Why? Because now you, 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 you that's the image you have of God. When, when God has started something in you, you will, he will finish it. Amen. He's not going to write something in the Word of God that, and now He's going to do something opposite in your life. But you can only see that if you are in His presence. 
If you're not living a life in his presence, but if you're living your life on Christian's opinions, uh, Christian theology and so on, but not out of having met him, the devil can deceive you. Okay? But if you have met him, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Mm-hmm. Amen? But it's, that, it's in there. And this is where, if you notice, that was the same problem that the Israelites had when Jesus came. Mm-hmm. That the Old Testament or the Judaism, or what we call or I don't know what we call it at that time, has been boiled down to opinions and traditions. Mm-hmm. Like what we call philosophies and ideologies and so on. Which a lot of Christianity has become now. It's the right words, but it's spoken outside of someone who is in the presence. And that's why we don't see as much as we are supposed to see. And I believe that this is where we have to return to. We have to come back into his presence. Amen? And uh, so shall say this, you know, so, and the prayer of faith. Now, and the, it's not just prayer. It's the prayer of faith. Now, the prayer of faith, what is that? The prayer of faith is that when I speak to him, he listens. Amen? When I speak, that's the prayer of faith. That when I speak, he listens. When I speak, he listens. Prayer, as I said so many times, but we do not have faith for. We have faith in. Amen? We have faith in Jesus. We, are not, we don't have faith for healing. Because if we have faith for healing, it indicates we don't have it. Okay? But you already got it. So we have faith in him. And, 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 say, and that's where when we start playing with words here, because English words mean something, but I, that's why I prefer to use the word trust when it comes to faith. When, when you see the word faith in the Bible, use the word trust. That gives you a better understanding of what it means here. Because we have been so uh, contaminated with this thing about faith for, faith for, faith for, whatever. So we read it wrongly, or understand it wrongly. So, so, use the word, so when you're reading it, use the word trust. So the prayer of trust. The prayer of trust. You like, you know, like, you've seen me minister to, the, to, to, the, to, to people who say, you know, it's very, very simple. Why? Because I'm not looking at the person, so to speak. I just trust that God hears what I'm saying. That doesn't need to be, I don't need to make a show. Or, it's, also, it's also so tiring. You know, sometimes some of these preachers are screaming and shouting. Do all, they must be so tiring at the end when you can just do it like I do. It's, it's much easier. And for an old man like me now, it's much easier. <laughs> okay? And, but anyway, so with prayer, with faith, now notice again the word that is used, shall. You know, when, when, when your parents said, you shall do it, there was no room for but. Amen? God just wipes out here any doubt about is healing possible. Amen? Shall. Shall, shall save the sick. Shall save the sick. Shall save the sick. Shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Amen. 
And when he says here, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another and pray one for, for another that you may be healed. Okay. Now, this thing about confessing your sins to one another, that doesn't mean you, you need to put every, every mistake that you have made, you put on Facebook, okay? So, so now I confessed my sins to one another, okay? That's not what it means. But the reason for why it talks about that is because, remember what Jesus he says in the Gospels, in, in John, but he who you forgive, I will forgive. You know, but we have all probably, where, uh, where we have asked Jesus to forgive us of the same sin, Okay, because of you still have the emotion in your body, you still feel it, but you have asked God to forgive you, but you still feel. So what do we do? Sometimes we ask God to forgive us again. Okay, which God when you now God got confused, because what are you talking about? Okay, now so the reason why we confess our sins to one another, so to speak, is that they can give you the assurance because they say, he who you forgive, God will forgive. So you become my witness of that I'm forgiven. And I, you know, but sometimes that's, we need that to hold on to when our emotions say something opposite. But that person who is a witness can say, no, you, you confessed it to me. I forgave you and therefore God has forgiven you. No, it's a security thing. It's not something where everyone, you need to tell everyone everything and so on. You know, that's not what it's about. But it's about that there are times where we really need that assurance because God does not want there to be doubt in your heart. He doesn't want uh, that room of doubt to be a, a playground for the devil to manipulate you. Okay? That's why it's a protection thing, it says, when you confess it to one another. When now they become an assurance. That's why you have witnesses at a wedding. It's like if you're somewhere down the line goes crazy, the witnesses, they can tell you that you were really crazy. Now, but but it's, it's because it's outside of your control. That's why the same thing about, again, with the submission thing is that, that you need someone outside of your control that is not emotionally attacked in that area who can quote the word of God to you. Okay, so confess your faults to one another and pray one for another that you may be healed. And then the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Now, a righteous, that's you because of the blood of Christ. What does it say? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.